the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our speech should be sensitive. Our speech should be kind. Our speech should be gentle. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now let's start part two of our study in James chapter three. If we preach a watered-down gospel, and every preacher on the planet needs to hear this part, they need to read this part, and they need to heed this part. For every person that preaches a watered-down gospel because they don't want to offend some people, watch out. The blood of those who hear you is on your hands. And there's a temptation now in the church. In fact, I will say that the very place that the United States is in today is because of bad preaching this last 50, 60, 70 years. When we came out of World War II, there was a spiritual revival that happened in this country. But there has been bad preaching in churches where people were not teaching the truth of God's word. How do we have all this harebrained idea? How do we get to the place where we can say that if you were born a boy, you can now be a girl? Or if you were born a girl, you can now be a boy. How do we get to this place? How has this mindset happened? And so when you in the church as the preacher, and I'm not talking to me here because I'm not preaching that way, but for anyone who's teaching God's word or sharing God's word, and you're saying, oh, it's okay to be transgender oh it's okay to be homosexual oh it's okay to have an abortion these are all hot topics today nobody wants to touch those things why because it's going to be offensive but at some point the preacher has to understand you're going to offend people why because it's not you that's offending them it's the word of god it's going to offend them Jesus said, people are not going to hate you because of you. They're going to hate you because of me in you. That's what they're going to hate. And so people, I've had people in our foyer chew me out multiple times at the door. It's like, I don't agree with what you said. That's not my perspective. Well, what part are you talking about? And they'll tell me, I go, well, listen, just understand that you're not disagreeing with me. I'm just a delivery boy. I'm just the one that's given the message here. I'm not the author of the book. The problem in the person that you have a problem with is God himself. So just know he's the one that you have a problem with. But understand that every preacher on the world, in this world today, that doesn't talk about those hot topics that are going to cause division, it's like the blood of your congregation is on your hands. So when you have people come into your church that are living in those lifestyles and it's okay and God loves you, listen, God loves everybody, but everyone has to repent of their sin to have eternal life. You know, let's just remember that, okay? We repent, that's how we get to heaven. You know, and of course, you know, if we teach strange and bizarre ideas that would lead people away, look out, 
the blood is on the hand of that preacher. If that preacher interjects his own personal ideas and thoughts on certain subjects because we feel that in the 21st century, you know, this culture is different, so we have to go about it a lot differently. The Word of God never changes. It's like technology changes, fashions change, but the Word of God never changes in the heart of the soul of man and woman. Men and women, that will never change. So it's like, no, you can't change. It doesn't matter what 21st century does. It doesn't matter. The blood is on those preachers' hands. We have to watch out. There is a great responsibility to those that teach the Word of God. And as a leader, we must be equipped to not only teach but to counsel and to lead. That's part of the calling. And it's a part of the calling for every believer. So when someone comes up and asks you as a believer, well, what do you think about this? It doesn't matter what you think. What does God's word say? Well, this is what counseling is. You ready for what counseling is? Anyone that comes in here for counseling, anyone that asks one of the pastors a question or one of our deacons or elders, it's like, it's like, well, you know, I'm going through this situation. We always apply the word of God to whatever that situation might be. We always apply the word. Well, the Bible says here, well, the Bible says here. It says, that's what we do. We do not have a secular world vision here or ideology. We have a biblical world vision, a biblical ideology here. This is what the Bible says. Well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I like that. Well, that's what the Bible says to do. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, that's a choice you have to make. But that's what the Bible says, and this is what God would have you to do. Which brings up now, as we move out of that topic of those that are coming up and desiring to be used of God, let's move on to our main topic of this message, is taming and controlling the tongue. Let's read as he picks up here in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Boy, that's, that's an understatement, right? We all mess up at times. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or a perfect woman, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into a horse's mouth, because obviously we're not perfect, right? So now he's given an example. If we put bits into a horse's mouth, right? That's how we steer a horse, right? It's in their mouth. It's uncomfortable. We want them to go this way. The horse goes that way. It's like uh, that, we may, that he may obey us. Uh, we direct their entire body as well. So we got a, what, 1,200-pound horse? He's obeying us because we got a bit in his mouth. Okay, verse 4. Behold, ships also though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. The rudder is a very small part of the ship, but it steers the ship wherever the inclination of the pilot or the ship's captain goes. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a very small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Behold how a great forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members uh, as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Wow, that's the last description you think you'd hear about your tongue, but it's true. Verse 7, for every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. Yes, we've tamed lions and elephants to do whatever we want. Verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord. Oh, praise Jesus. And with it, we curse other men who have been made in the likeness of God. 
From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh water and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. He goes, he goes, it's like, how can this be? How can I have the same mouth blessings and come to church on Sunday and worship the Lord and then on Monday you're cursing out some guy at work or pulling out of the parking lot and cursing the people in La Cienega? Oh, that's an easy thing to do. I was coming in, I park across the street, you know, so I don't, my car doesn't take up a space for Sunday mornings here. So me and the pastors park at the parking lot here at Kaiser. We have a deal worked out with them and we're able to park there for free. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to cross La Cienega today and the light comes on the little man, right? What's the little man say? The middle man, you can go, right? It's like the little man says, go. Oh no, not on La Cienega. I step off the curb and the cars are all hanging right. And I'm just like, Hey, and I'm like the little man. And I'm like, Hey, what, what's, you know, and they're all just going and they're looking at me like, what's my problem? I'm trying to cross. The street. I got the little man, you know, but anyway, it's like, uh, Never just take your life in your own hands when you cross La Cienega. But anyway, but notice how he starts off in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Why? Because we all have a sin nature inside. It's within each and every one of us to do wrong. Oh, we can do good, and, and we desire to do good, right? We're Christians. We want to live good. But it's like it's still in us to do wrong things. Many will say today, I'm a good person. Yes, maybe occasionally I'll mess up, but they say, no one's perfect. That's right, there is nobody perfect. Yet, except for Jesus was, obviously. Yet consider God's perspective of us. God says that we have all sinned. He doesn't say, you're all good, and yet you have a little boo-boo here and there. He just says, no, you're all sinners. You're all sinners. Know this, we're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners. Does that make sense? See, it's like we think, well, you know, it's like, well, uh, we're sinners because I, I sinned here or sinned there. No, 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 no. We sin because we're just born sinners. That's why we sin. Proverbs 20, verse 9 asks a question. He says, who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from my sin? Nobody. <laughs> it's like nobody can say, I live a perfect life. Nobody can say it because no one can. The Bible does not mix words concerning our sin. He just bluntly says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But James goes on in verse two and he says, now if you do not stumble, then you're perfect, right? Of course, no one's perfect. We already know no one's perfect. That's why we all need a savior. That's why Jesus came in the first place, for one reason, and that was to die for the sin of all humanity, and every person must come to him in that same way. We must admit and we must confess to God that, yes, we have sinned, and we must ask him for his forgiveness, and his promise to all that have come to him is this, that he will never turn us away. Isn't that a great thing? I mean, just for you right now, it's like God will not turn you away. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand, man. I really messed up this week, man. It's like, that's why I'm sitting here in church today, man. I feel horrible. I got this stuff in my life and it's like a weight in my soul. Well, guess what? God will never turn you away. 
God will never reject you. It's like, and before this service is over, you'll have an opportunity to get right with God. It's like, it's a great thing to know as a Christian, and it's a great thing to tell other people, right? I mean, think about it. Man, I don't care how depressed there is someone that you work with, how depressed they are, how messed up they are, how just rude they are, how crude they are, how nasty, socially unacceptable they are. It's like God would never turn that person away. So you can go and speak to the hardest, most callous person at your work or your neighbor, the person you just like to nuke, okay, whatever. It's like you can go to them and know that, you know what, if they want to get right with God, God will not turn them away. It's just a great thing to know for each and every one of us. But now as we continue in this text here, we are immediately confronted with an area that we have all fallen to, every single one of us, and that is allowing our tongue to get us in trouble. How many times have we said something and it got us in trouble? How many have had some, you know, someone say false things about you? How many people have had fake news given about you? I mean, we all have, right? I mean, every one of us. I mean, people have talked trash about us and what have you. It just happens, okay? Maybe people have said really, really mean and cruel things to you. Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. People have said things about us that are not true. Things have, people have been hateful towards us. I mean, we live in L.A. You can't even drive on the road without people giving you something, okay? Yes, we all have. Now, let me ask you, though, being honest, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands here, how many of you have said something false about someone else? How many of you have said something mean to somebody? How many of you have said something cruel to somebody else? We all have. If we're honest, we all have. We've all done it. Some more than others. Some make a profession out of this, but we're not going to point those people out. Okay. Anyway, but this is an area that when it's getting, you know, when we're throwing someone under the bus, uh, it's like we feel justified in it. But when someone's throwing us under the bus, we want to cry foul immediately. We want justice. You know, we want the other person to pay for what they did to us. We want them to drop down on their knees and apologize to us for offending us and not respecting us. Yet, when we're caught in the half-truth that hurts somebody else, you know, when we're told a secret, like, hey, I've got to tell you something, but man, you can't tell anybody. Oh, you, your secret's locked here, man. I won't say a word. And then you hear, really? Oh, and then, then you go tell five people, hey, you, know, you can't say anything, but, you know, I, I heard this, you know. And we share it with others. Then it comes back to us. Oh, and then we're busted because we said the secret. We told, we did something that was wrong. We said something that was wrong. And then what do we want? Man, I'm sorry, bro. You're right, man. I'm, I'm so sorry. We want grace and mercy. See, when someone does it to us, we want judgment on them. When we get caught doing it, we want grace and mercy. See, the tongue, like it says in verse 3 and 4, it's small, but it can cause a huge amount of damage. How many times have you said something to someone really close to you, maybe as a spouse, maybe as one of your children, maybe as a real close loved one, and you said something in the heat of the battle, and boy, you just wish you could pull that back. 
And some of you that have been married for a long time, it might come back on you 10 years, 20 years. Well, you told me, da, 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 da. You know, it's like it, it might come back on you many times, okay? But, uh, but you say something in the, in the heat of the moment, and you didn't really mean it, but you, you, you were just being cruel, and you wanted to hurt the other person. It goes on to say how the tongue can boast of great things. And finally, it says in verse 6 that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Wow. And it defiles the entire body. Yes, it can. That's some harsh and brutal language that the Bible has to say about our tongues. Okay, so man, God's given it to us with both barrels right here. It's likened to a fire. As we know, fire can destroy everything. Look at the fires here in California. We've had gnarly fires in Southern California. You know, if your car, your house catches fire, it's what? It's reduced to worthless ashes. Nothing is spared. And that's how God likens our tongues. It doesn't take much, but like a fire, it only needs one spark to burn down thousands of acres. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. This is what made Isaiah the prophet fall on his face in the Old Testament. You remember Isaiah? You know, Isaiah in the first first five chapters, nine times he says, woe is you. What was you? He's just, you know, what do you partiers, you know, what do you that do this? I mean, he's just on the flaming path of woe to everyone. He had the finger pointing out, and that word woe means grief, sorrow, and misery. So he's like, grief, sorrow, and misery, and all oh, you bunch of sinners, man. He was just going to town. Then, in chapter 6, he got a little glimpse into heaven, and he saw a little piece of God. And what did Isaiah, Mr. the prophet of woe do? He fell on the ground, his face on the ground, not even wanting to look up. And he said, woe is me. Grief, sorrow, and misery on me. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Like all of a sudden, all of our hypocrisy, everything, as soon as God shines in on us, then we see ourselves as we really are. And he, all Isaiah could say was, woe is me. Wow. Yes, we can boast. We can exaggerate great things with our tongue. We can tell stories where we are always the hero in the end. We put ourselves, you know, in a place of superiority. We pat ourselves on the back. We point out our own good deeds. You know, we can lash out of those around us. You know, we can, we can help spread gossip that brings shame on those around us. We can be guilty of flattery that is only self-serving in the church. We can say nothing to those around us, only to criticize them behind their back. It's kind of like when you try to flatter somebody to better yourself. You know, oh, yeah, you're so wonderful because maybe you want a job promotion. You're sucking up to the boss or sucking up to someone. And, oh, you're so wonderful. And then you, you talk about them behind their back all out of the same tongue, all to make ourselves look better, saying things like, well, I would have done it completely different if you put me in charge of the thing. No, you would have messed it up even more possibly. Or, yeah, I would have had, you know, if I would have had that opportunity, I would have done a much better job here or there. It's like the armchair quarterback, you know, on Monday. I'm like, I would have never thrown that pass. It's like, you wouldn't even be on the football field, but that's another story, you know. So what do we do with this tongue here? What do we do with it? 
Well, we think before we speak. Think before we speak. In fact, there's a great acronym for think. T-H-I-N-K. Let's take an acronym for each one of those letters for think. You have to ask yourself before you say something. Think. T. Is it true? Is it true? Just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Christianity is not the National Enquirer, okay? I hear things about people all the time. Oh, did you know so-and-so in the church? Did you know this? Did you? I'm like, uh, I, I don't know that. How do I know that's true? Just because you tell me this? Oh, you know, I'd really watch out for that one. Watch out for who? Oh, that one over there. It's like, why? Well, did you know? Uh, well, how do I know that's true? Or maybe it is true, but maybe that was their past, and now they're a new believer in Christ. And so you have to be very careful. T for think. Is it true? H, does it help? Is anything that I'm going to say now, does it help? Is, this, is it going to help this person or is it going to hurt the person? So think about what you say. Is it going to help or is it going to hurt? If it's going to hurt, then don't say it. If you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything. You, you don't have to say something. Think, T-H-I. Is it inspiring? Will this encourage and uplift that person? Is it inspiring? In of think, is it necessary? Is it necessary that you say something right now? Do I need to be part of this conversation? Why are we even talking about it in the first place? And K, is it kind? Is it kind? Or is it backstabbing? You know, are you throwing them under the bus conversation? So we have to think about who we're talking about. I mean, what a drag that Christians help encourage gossip that hurt other people. And if it is true, why are we, why are we pushing it along? Shouldn't we be praying for them? You know, and that's why if we're praying for someone who's got a problem or they've fallen into sin, don't use their name. Yes, I like to pray for Buddy. Yeah, the one at our church, the usher. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really. You know, we just got to pray. He's fallen in sin. He's doing this, doing that. I mean, we don't need details. God knows who it is. I want to pray for someone here at the church. God knows who it is. That's it. We don't. You know, let's not spread it. Remember these three things about our own tongues. Number one, the tongue will spread evil. Our tongues can spread evil and people will get hurt. Don't ever forget that. Number two, the tongue is impossible to tame. God's already told you that. It's impossible. That's why it's better not to speak at times. Okay, that's why it says in Proverbs 10, 19, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. Meaning if you're gonna keep talking, if you're gonna keep talking, transgression is unavoidable. You're going to end up saying something you shouldn't say. So sometimes it's good to say nothing. Because if you keep talking, transgression is unavoidable. And number three, the tongue will bring judgment on us. Did you know that? We will reap what we sow. Remember, God is also listening to everything you say. And we will have to stand before God and give an account of every word that we've spoken. Now, we're going to be judged on what we do, what we think, and what we say. So just remember, it's like we should maybe speak a little less on things. Some of you might be thinking, well, if the tongue cannot be tamed, how in the world am I going to stay out of judgment on this? Think before you speak. It was King David that said this in Psalm 141.3. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Like, Lord, help me shut up. 
And I've prayed that before. I've actually prayed that. And there's been times where I've been sitting with other pastors and the Lord will just like, hey, you don't want to talk about this right now. And just, you know, and it's just like, and I have to say, sometimes I've listened to it and sometimes I haven't. Okay? Because we got some juicy stuff, right? So it's like, just remember, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. So how should we speak as Christians? We're given some insight here in Colossians 4, 6. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it was with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Notice our speech is to be gracious. That means our speech should be sensitive. Our speech should be kind. Our speech should be gentle, loving, and our speech should be truthful. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be where people can see Christ in us. That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.